me invite you to 2 Timothy chapter 1 this morning, 2 Timothy chapter 1. We are in the middle of a series that we are calling More Than Conquerors. It's based on a verse of scripture out of Romans chapter 8. If you've been with us a few weeks, and this is the eighth topic that we're dealing with, the ninth lesson, we spent two weeks on the subject of the adversary. And so we're going to talk to you today about our affection our affection and we're gonna not only be reminded of that verse in Romans which reads again Romans chapter 8 verse 37 yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us but we're gonna jump into 2nd Timothy here in just a minute chapter number 1 and take a look at a text that helps us understand better this subject I think it's interesting in that key verse where it says through him who loved us the Greek word used there is agape. Most of you have been in church for a little length of time. You're probably familiar with that word, agape or agapeo, a Greek word for God's love, divine love, the selfless love, the sacrificial love, the unconditional love is what that describes. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about this subject as we get into this. Some of you may have heard of the story that happened, I believe, just down the road at Publix this past week. Young man went in, was looking to pick up a few items, and this lady was following him around. And uh, he stopped and he noticed, he, he said to the, the lady, she was up in years, and he, he said, ma'am, he said, can I help you with something? She said, oh, she said, I'm so sorry, but you remind me of my son. And with Mother's Day coming up, you know, she said, I just, I'm brokenhearted because he's been deployed overseas this Mother's Day and I don't get to see him. And she started to tear up a little. He said, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Is there anything I can do? She said, yeah, matter of fact, you could help me out. She said, make me feel better. If, if when I go to check out, you would just kind of wave at me and, and say, goodbye, mama. That'd make me feel so much better. So he said, I'll do that. That's no problem at all. So she got in line and sure enough, a couple people back, he was there. He got up there, he had bread and milk and, the, uh, and, and sure enough, before he got to the line, she turned around and waved and he waved and smiled and said, goodbye, mama. Made her feel really good, you know. And, and then they rang up his stuff, bread and milk, $175. <laughs> and he said, uh, he said, what? He said, I only got a few. I yeah, your mama said you're going to pay for her bill too. So. I know what some of you are thinking. Just preach, preacher. Just preach. All the comedians out of work and we get you. 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'm going to start reading actually in verse number 3. I think I've given you verse 5 in your notes. But let me begin in verse number 3. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience. As my forefathers did, as without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. 
Let's pray together. Father, we come to you, Lord, and we thank you for what you're doing, Lord, in your church here at East Point. God, I thank you for the opportunity you've given us to gather today. And God, I just personally thank you for my mom, Lord. I know that not everybody has had a positive example, a godly example in, in a mom uh, to follow. But God, I thank you that I've got a mom that knows you. And Lord, she served you. And I thank you, Lord, that that... Um, example she set for me. Help me come to know you. And Lord, I know there are others that can identify with that today, and we thank you and we praise you. We ask, Lord, that you help us with this thing of our affection. Help us with this thing of our love. I pray that it will be properly applied in our life, and that through doing that very thing, Lord, we will live up to that title you've given us of more than conquerors. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a couple of definitions I want to give you. One is the word affection and the other is the word love. They're very similar, of course, but the word affection is defined as a feeling or liking, a caring for someone or something, a tender attachment. And then the word love, Webster defines it as a strong affection for another arising out of a kinship or personal ties, a warm attachment, enthusiasm, or devotion. Some of you may have heard this before, and I, I like the saying I came across years and years ago, and that is, love can only be known by the action that it prompts. If you tell somebody you love them, well, that just doesn't do it. I mean, it's not enough. On the other hand, if you never say it and you only try to show it, it really doesn't do it either. God does both, doesn't he? Huh? We need not go any further than John 3.16 for an example of that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's important for us to stop a moment and realize that we have a loving God. Can I get an amen? amen? We have a God who loves us so much that he gave his only son to die on the cross for us. And that was an act of love and by that act we understand what love is. I don't know how much thought you've given to this thing of love, uh, how you came about knowing what it was exercising it. Um, perhaps the biblical definition, most of us would go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 4, where it says, beginning in verse 4, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. Does not behave itself rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails, the Bible tells us. In ancient Greece, they used six different words to describe love. Most of the time, we just throw it out there. We use the word love. Let me give you these six things. Will they come up on the PowerPoint? Were you able to access that for me? Uh, and, and you don't have to write all of them down if you don't want to. But we'll talk about them. Eros was a term that just meant ro romantic love. Filio, brotherly love, those we're familiar with. Agape or agapeo, divine love. Those are the three that most of us are, are familiar with. They use three other words. Ludus, which meant literally a playful love. Some would call that um, uh, like an infatuation that's beginning to develop. Pragma, which is a long-standing love. And then the word felucia, which meant a self-love. There were two types of that, by the way. There was a healthy self-love, which is 
what drives us to preserve ourselves. That's you get out of the way of a truck that's coming down the middle of the road uh, and uh, you love yourself. Uh, no man ever yet hated himself, the Bible says. But then there's an unhealthy version of it, which is narcissism. When you fall in love with yourself and you're the only one that matters. And so that last word is an interesting word. We're going to come back to a couple of these thoughts, but I wanted to give that to you in the way of, of introduction. Uh, I came across something in psychology today I thought was pretty interesting. There was a 70-year study done. How about that? 70 years there was research done on some sophomores of Harvard University dating all the way back to 1939. And here's what they were trying to find the answer to. This was their, uh, the question that they asked. What is the secret to a flourishing life? What is the secret? What makes one person flourish and others seem to fail at it? And this is what the study revealed. They're finding happiness, they said, equates to love. Literally, if you want a flourishing life, love must be present, they said. I, I find that intriguing. Matter of fact, we're going to talk more about that as we get into this a little further. Let's begin with filling in some blanks if you have a study sheet and you want to write down some things. Number one, I want to talk to you about some, uh, just four points concerning love. We're going to begin with the propensity to love. The propensity to love. Now, what do we mean by that? Have you ever thought about why you love to begin with? Why do you, uh, why do you have this thing called love in your life? Where did you get it? Does, does every creature have it? As a matter of fact, uh, uh, Dr. Neil Burton has written that love is one of seven things that only human beings can do. Now, now I know we got a lot of pet lovers in our church. And I know you think that that dog and that cat, they love you. And I'm, I'm sure in their mind and in your mind, that is love. So I'm not going to debate with you. Don't come see me after this service. <laughs> but all the studies say that animals treat you with a loyalty not based on what is genuine love. You feed them. You take care of them. You make them feel good. And there's a little more to that. Uh, if you really believe that they had love, then I ask you, why did you pick that little puppy up from Home Depot parking lot and leave all of their little siblings behind? <laughs> Amen? I'm just wondering. That's all. See, I never even thought about that. I'm going to go find those other dogs. No, okay. <laughs> Dr. Neil Burton wrote this, love is one of seven things only human beings can do. He, he, he lumps it into this category, uh, love, uh, speaking a language, laughing, crying, thinking, suffering from depression or mental disorders, and then being in a relationship with God, he said. I find that interesting. Seven things that only human beings can do. One of them is love, is love. Of course, the Lord taught us in Matthew chapter 22, when he was asked the question, what is the greatest commandment? He said, first, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That's the first and the greatest. And then he said, the second is like unto it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Long before the Beatles ever said it, God said, love is all you need, okay? <laughs> Whatever that's worth. All you heathens out there knew what I was talking about, didn't you? Former, former, I'm sorry. First John chapter number four. We'll get back to the spiritual now. First John chapter four, beginning in verse 16, we read, 
And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. Now, now listen to that phrase again. That's great. We have known and believed the love that God has for us. Not every religion out there teaches that God is love. Matter of fact, there's a sweeping movement in the world today that God is not a God of love. But the Bible tells us God is a God of love. As a matter of fact, th this verse that I'm reading to you, and we have known and believed that the, uh, the love that God has for us, God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Now listen to verse 19, very important verse. We love him because he first loved us. When you ask yourself the question of where do we get the propensity to love, where did it come from, maybe some of us would say, well, moms generate a love. Remember what, uh, what we just read about uh, Timothy. Paul is writing to young Timothy in the text that we read to begin with, and he said, I see in you the faith that I can actually trace back to your grandmother. It was in Lois, your grandmother, and then I saw it in your mom, in Eunice, your mom. And then he goes on and he talks about this. He says, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love. So what does that mean? God gives to us the ability to love. He gives to us the propensity to love. That is a, that is a God-like characteristic. We could say that that is part of being made in the image of God. That when God created man, he said, I'm going to make man in my own image. He gave to man certain abilities that the rest of the animal creation did not have. And one of those things is you love because God is love. You recognize love because he loved you. C.S. Lewis, in some of his writings, many of you, of course, know that he has been termed a Christian philosopher and, and uh, noted author. He made this statement. He, he, de he described, he was going about describing a void that was in man. And he said, there seems to be this thing in man uh, that there is a desire for a desire, a longing for a longing. What he's saying is this, within us, there is a need to love. God made us that way. And this helps us understand God's love for us. So many times we have to go back to that very basic, that John 3.16 verse of scripture, that God loves you. And it is because of his love that he sent his own son to die on the cross for you. He has given you a way to have eternal life. And that is a wonderful thing to have been given, amen? But you have to accept that love. Just knowing it is there is not going to do it. You have to be a recipient of that love. You have to say, I want that uh, in my life. And then let me, uh, let me move into number two with you in your notes. Our priorities in love. Our priorities in love. It is one thing to love. It is another to organize your love in a way of certain things that mean more to you. You might say that you love your spouse. You might also say you love coconut cream pie. Can I get an amen? Amen. Now, if you say you love broccoli, you need to be saved. So we'll talk about that later. <laughs> See you at the altar. The, tr the truth of the matter is that you love things in degrees. Can I get an uh-huh? 
We love things in degrees. We might say we love something, but really it's in an order of priority that we love. We, we've established that priority in our life. And some of us have difficulty moving things around in our life. It seems the older we get, the more set in our ways we become. We love certain things certain ways in a certain order. And the question for us is, where is God in that order? Or the things of God? Where is it at? In John chapter 21, we have a very interesting passage of scripture. If you've been in church much at all, you probably have heard this story. John, of course, uh, records for us that the disciples go out. Peter goes out. He's discouraged. Jesus has died. He has risen, but now they're out there fishing again. And so then they meet up. Jesus has some uh, fish on the fire and they come in and the Bible says this in John chapter 21 verse 15 so when they had eaten breakfast Jesus said to Simon Peter Simon son of Jonah do you love me more than these he said to him yes Lord you know that I love you he said to him feed my lambs now some of you uh, because of your studies you are aware that what what happens in this in this verse is that God says Peter do you agape me that is do you love me with an unconditional love but Peter responds in the Greek with the word phileo he said Lord you know that I phileo you it's a brotherly love Oftentimes we condemn Peter for that in the teaching world. People say Peter should have responded with, No God, I love you without conditions. But in reality, I think what Peter was trying to say was, Lord, I have a good reason to love you. That's what he was saying. I don't love you without reason. I love you with a good reason. So he used the word phileo. A second time, Jesus asks the same question. Do you agape me? Peter responds the same way. I phileo you. The third time, Jesus changed it and used the term phileo. You say, what is the significance of all that? The point I'm trying to make with you simply is this. There are different ways and different degrees that we love. The real thing I want to show you from this text is not the difference in the word love. But I want to show you the latter part of his question. The first time, do you love me more than these? More than these. A.W. Pink, in his commentary, he indicates that that phrase is a reference to the other disciples. That what Jesus is saying is this, Peter, do you love me more than these people do? Do you love me more? Now, I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure he's talking about them or whether he's talking about the fish that he has collected, whether he's talking about something else in his life, but I do know this, that it is a question that calls in our degree of love. That we are certain of. So I ask you today, not do you love him? Every one of us would say yes, there's no question. But I ask you, how much do you love him? Where does he fit? in your life you have that convenient discipleship thing going on you serve him whenever you don't have something else to do you have that uh, convenience of, uh, of uh, uh, just uh, doing things for the Lord well if it, if it comes easy you'll do it uh, and, and is it not true that the more you love the more committed you are is that not true 
If you don't believe that, I suggest you, uh, you come see me for counseling with your uh, fellas because uh, your wife believes that. She <laughs> believes that the more you love, the more committed you're going to be. And, and, and we tend to associate that. So the question here is not do we love him, but how much do we love him? Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. Most of you are familiar with that verse, no doubt. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Again, where do you put God? In the commandments, and I know what you're thinking, you think, well, pastor, that's Old Testament stuff. Yeah, but it shows us something about God, doesn't it? The very first commandment was, you'll have no other gods before me. God wants to be first in your life. He doesn't want anything else up there with him. He wants to be first in your life. So the question for us is, do we have him in that priority? Is he first in our life? We talked about this before, 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now that verse of scripture is actually teaching this. You can misapply your love. Hear me now. You can misapply your love. There are some things that you are loving that are harmful to you. And Paul is telling Timothy this. The love of money is at the root of it. Some of us go after that to the point that it actually causes us many sorrows in our life. That's what he said. Causes an heir from the faith. Instead of a part of the faith. I believe what we read at the beginning was uh, when we talked about 2 Timothy chapter 1. And, and Paul was talking about Timothy and the legacy that had been left to him from his grandmother through his mom. I think it was a faith a faith that ordered his love in his life. And your faith will do that. Your faith will order the love in your life. It will help determine what is the most important thing and what comes second thereafter. Whatever that may be in your life. Jesus talked about it when he talked about treasures. He said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust uh, destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. For where, neither where moth nor rust destroys or where thieves do not break in and steal. And he made this statement, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What are you getting at, preacher? I'm saying that the things that we love is what occupies our mind and our time. It, it's not too difficult to determine what you love. Just take a good look at what you spend your time doing, what your energy is used toward, where your finances go, and it will tell you what you love. Not very amen, many amens, but that's okay. I'll, uh, I'm just trying to give you what the Lord gave me, so... Number three on the list. I'm going to move on. Number three. Some of you, you got reservations for lunch. I don't want you to be late. Number three. Let's talk about our protection of love. Our protection of love. Can you actually protect the things that you love? Well, obviously, if you love something, you want to you take care of it. But I'm talking about protecting your heart. 
Because what your heart goes after, you might be misapplying some things. You might, you might need to control somehow. How do you control that? You say, well, I can't, I, I can't actually control what my heart goes. I can't control what it is that I love. But you can. In, in many ways, you can. Let me go back to a message in this series back several weeks. Matter of fact, the very first message we talked about dealt with our armor. Do you remember that? We were talking about being more than a conqueror and living up to that name as Christians. If you're born again, then we are more than conquerors. And in order to understand and, and, and access that and live that way, we got to put on the armor of God. We read in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 14, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. The importance of the breastplate is it protects the heart. It protects the heart. So how do you go about protecting the heart? This, this, is a, uh, this is an interesting thing. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 3. Let me read this passage to you. 1 and 2, Colossians 3. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Now you will find this as you study the scriptures on the subject of the heart, you will find this interchange of heart and mind. As a matter of fact, it says here that, that we are to set our mind on things above. The Old English version, it says, set your affection on things above. So your mind and your heart are connected. As a matter of fact, the scripture says in Proverbs 23 and verse number 7, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. There's this connection that goes on. So, so what are we getting at? We're saying this then. If we are risen with Christ. Now if you're not risen with Christ, then it's a different ball game altogether. Am I right? What this seems to be saying is this. If you're saved, you shouldn't think as though you thought when you were lost. You should have a different way of thinking. You should have a different way of looking at things. You should love things differently than you used to love them. It's a different list than what you used to have. It should be the things that are consistent with one who's living the resurrected life. The old man is gone and there is a new person that's been raised in its place. That's what the scriptures teach, isn't it? So if we are risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. The things of God become then important to us as, as a believer. So how do you do this then? How do you control what comes uh, to the heart and as far as, as the love, the things that you love? You control what goes into the mind. What you spend your time around, what you allow to enter. This involves a little bit of discipline is what it amounts to. You discipline yourself so that you can better control what goes in. Because what goes in is exactly going to be the things that you fall in love with. So spend some time with the Lord, obviously. Uh, deal with Him. Uh, we control uh, what our heart longs for by controlling what our minds are exposed to on a regular basis. Number four, and some of you are in utter shock. Already? Number four? We're there. Can I get an amen? amen. But don't worry, I've got six subpoints. You thought I was joking. I actually do. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about our progress in love. Our progress in love. 
1 Thessalonians chapter 3, beginning in verse 12. Listen to the words of this verse. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. And so let me ask you a sobering question for a moment. Are you constantly increasing in this thing of your love? Your love for God and your love for people. Or did you just kind of reach this point and that's it? You really don't work at that. You don't need to work at that. It happens. It doesn't happen. I'm not really concerned about it, preacher. I just, you know, that's me. This is who I am. But Paul says, this is, this is something we need to understand. This is his prayer request. That you may increase and abound in love to one another and to all. That your love would increase. Now how do we do this? I, I sat down in my study and I, I asked the Lord that question. I said, Lord, this is a great verse. But how do we make that practical? What, what do you have that I could share with our people before we leave and go and have lunch together and families will meet together and, and you're going to have a, an afternoon of rest. Some of you probably go down to TPC. There were a lot of people there this week worshiping, I noticed. People would gather around and they just lift their hands. I was really impressed. It was a spiritual experience. All right, well anyway, we'll go on. That was as bad as the first one, wasn't it? <laughs> so how do you do this thing? What do you do? There are six steps that I, I want to give you. And I'm going to give them all to you and then we're going to talk about them, okay? If you want to write them down, we're going to call the first one the exhaustion step. I don't even know if you can read that as tiny as that might be. We put them all up there on one slide for you. You don't have to write down all the other stuff. Just write down the key ones. You'll remember. Exhaustion step. Number two, the enjoyment step. Number three, we're going to call the emphasis step. Number four, the experience step. And then the exercise step. And then last of all, the exaltation step. Let me talk about them for just a minute with you, okay? Let me talk about them. The exhaustion step. Do away with it. Get some rest. The truth of the matter is you cannot increase in love if you're dealing with fatigue. We are a very busy people. And what we often choose to rest from, if we're not careful, will be the very thing that can increase our love. We rest sometimes from God. We say he'll understand. So we rest from the Bible study, or we rest from the Sunday school hour, or we rest from something else that has to do with the Lord's house. Because after all, we've worked hard and we need that rest. And you do need that rest. But rest from the right things, not the wrong things. So easy to do. But deal with your exhaustion. We just need rest. Enjoyment. What do we mean by the enjoyment step? Intentionally schedule something that brings you great enjoyment. Maybe you enjoy painting, maybe you enjoy uh, surfing, maybe you enjoy fishing, maybe you enjoy whatever it is that you do. Bring some enjoyment into your life. Most of the time, we are so very busy, we don't do the things we enjoy. And enjoyment will help foster that emphasis on growing in your love. What do we mean by the emphasis step? That's number three on the list. Go ahead and bring it back up for just a minute longer in case some are writing it down haven't got all of them. The emphasis step. Emphasize the best moments of your day. 
Look back on it and look at what went right. So many times the devil succeeds in getting us to see what went wrong. Can I get an aha? Uh -huh? He will constantly point out to you what you don't have instead of you being appreciative for what you do have. So emphasize the best and emphasize people before projects. This is a big one. I have to constantly work on this. I, I, I confess to you. I, by nature, I'm a project-driven individual. I have to really stop sometimes. I love people. I love you guys. But it's very difficult for me sometimes. I have to stop and, and intentionally say, you know something? The project has to wait. The people are what are most important. And I want to pass that on to you. Emphasize the best moments and people before projects. And then the experience step. Sit down and experience literally a calm let the world slow down around you. This is an important step, believe it or not. It's a very important step. Some of you are caught in a whirlwind, and this morning, you're, you're trying to figure out how in the world do you survive. You're, you're in a, just a, it seems as though you're caught up in that twister, and, and you're trying to figure out how do I slow this thing down? Just experience a calm, and let the world slow down around you. Exercise step, exercise. Physical exercise is important. Maybe it's taking a walk. Maybe it's, uh, uh, you know, getting the blood flowing by uh, playing around at tennis you haven't played in a long time or golf or down at the gym or whatever it is. Physical exercise. Just do something that creates uh, in you uh, the blood flowing. You're going to feel better spiritually if you feel better physically, believe it or not. And I don't want to leave out the exaltation step. Up until now, the first five steps you can find in most any psychology book. Up until now, you'll get the, the counsel from most any secular psychologist or psychiatrist out there. They're going to tell you about the same stuff I just told you in the first five. But the one thing really missing is the sixth point. It's the sixth step. And that is exaltation of Jesus Christ. Understand that we live, we breathe to bring him glory in our life. If you miss that point, you miss the very purpose of life. And there is no way to experience an increase in your love if you do not understand the main purpose of your life. So live for the Lord. And in living for the Lord, I think you will find yourself back to where Jesus said you need to be. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love one another. Later he said, everybody will recognize you're one of mine by the way you love. By the way you love. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you today and we thank you for your word. And Lord, I just ask that you help us today. I know, Lord, this is a topic that is so very important in our life. And maybe one that because it is so familiar... Maybe we've heard it so much that we're just supposed to love people. We haven't really stopped to think in terms of how we can increase in our love. So Lord, I pray that you'll remind us that you are looking to develop this area in our life. And God, it's important for us to get on board with this. It's important for us to realize that some of us have misapplied that love. We've, uh, we, we've got it in the wrong places. We're, we're not loving you to the degree we need to and we're loving other things to a degree we ought not. Lord, help us. Help us to be more than conquerors through Jesus who loves us. Help us to live up to that, Lord. You said we already are. 
Help us to live up to it. And I know, God, one of the ways is for us to handle this thing called love in a manner you'd have us to handle it in. Lord, increase our love for you and for others. May you bless us now in Jesus' name. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I would encourage you to spend a moment with the Lord. And I know we say this from time to time, but I think it's a good thing. If maybe where you sit or maybe at the altar, you just say before God today, God, I want you to know I love you. Answer that question that he asked to Peter. Do you love me more than these? So well, I'm not sure what more than these means. Does it really matter? Shouldn't the answer be yes, regardless of what the definition of that is? Shouldn't we love him more than anything else? He loves you so. He loves you so that he died on the cross for you.